Welcome to Christ, Culture, and College, where we're on a journey to discuss the intersection of these three domains. That's Christ, Culture, and College. So, uh, what's that mean, guys? I am thrilled you guys are here. This looks like a fun group. Uh, we had a lot of fun in the last one. I think this is going to be fun. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about idol. Uh, why your smartphone may be keeping you from more of God. Uh, this probably isn't a traditional, uh, I don't think it's a traditional workshop you might see at a conference, which is why I'm like excited that so many people are like willing to be thinking about it. It's one of those things that it's like if you're not aware of it, you're probably not thinking about it, right? So I'm really excited. Uh, I'm a recent grad from Penn State. Um, for those, I know many of you from Penn State that know me. This is the photo I always go to that, uh, yeah. that's me, that's me at, uh, 16 years old, uh, working as an IT guy. Uh, on the side, and so I'm a professional cyber nerd, that's what I do for a living, and I'm a diehard Twitter fan. Uh, so it would be hypocritical of me to give you a technology bashing workshop, <coughs> right? I'm not gonna do it. Um, I won't sit here and tell you to get rid of your smartphone, um, because it would be very hypocritical, right? I made my living off of technology, so I'm not, I can't just bash it, right? But what I, what I am gonna do, though, is uh, force us to think critically about our smartphones and to think about the way that it impacts our life and ponder the question, does this, uh, does my faith have anything to say about how I use my smartphone? So I have to acknowledge, though, the contribution of Morgan Forney. Uh, he, uh, his grandmother passed away and he had the funeral today and so wasn't able to be here, but we were gonna co-read this. Uh, what's really interesting, though, is like, I'm the tech guy, right, it's what I do for a living, but Morgan is the campus director at Penn State. He's like 35. It was like the last dude who needed to get a smartphone. He's not on social media and like just not very techy, I'll be honest. Um, and what's interesting about this though is like you have two people from two very different worlds that have come to very similar convictions on their smartphone. So I think that's really cool. Um, that this is not just necessarily the IT guy's perspective. I want to um, ponder this with where we're going. We're gonna look, we're gonna spend probably the first 45 minutes just building a context of what's happening and the conversation that's happening in culture around our smartphone usage, right? Um, other thing about me is I'm a huge hip hop fan, and so I'm gonna play you a video. Um, in this video, it has two clips of two of the, two of the early Facebook uh, vice presidents, and they're gonna talk a little bit about their product that they helped create. Uh, you're gonna see two songs about hip hop lyrics talking about uh, technology in their lives and a couple other clips. It's real quick, but I think it'll help frame this discussion that's happening in culture. So I'm gonna go ahead and play this. I know a girl whose one goal was to visit Rome, and she finally got to Rome, and all she did was post pictures for people at home, because all that mattered was impressing everybody she's known. I know another girl that's crying out for help, but her latest caption is leave me alone. I know a girl happily married till she puts down a phone. I know a girl that saves pictures from places she's flown to post later and make it look like she's still on the go. One billion of us own a smartphone, and we know how addicting it can be. One former Google employee says, this is no accident. Indeed, it is by design. Dan Ackerman, who is joining us now from the CNET studios. So, Dan, there are rumors that Apple will unveil ways to curb phone addiction. Specifically, I guess, Apple iPhone addiction. How and why are they doing this? I know it seems counterintuitive uh, for a company to want you to use their product less, but it's something we've been talking a lot about, lady, uh, about the, the addictive nature of technology, particularly these phones that we carry with us all the time. 
myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in in human psychology and i just i, th I think that we you know we the inventors creators you know and it's it's me it's mark it's the you know kevin system and instagram it's all of these people um understood this consciously and we did it anyway I want to bring us back to the point that you were making about exploiting consumer behavior in a consumer internet business. You said that this is a time for soul searching in social media businesses and, and you were part of building the largest one. What soul searching are you doing right now on that? I feel tremendous guilt. Um, I, think we, I think we all knew in the back of our minds, even though we feigned this whole line of like, there probably aren't any really bad unintended consequences. I think in the back, deep, deep recesses of our minds, we, we kind of knew something bad could happen. But I think the way we defined it was not like this. It literally is a point now where I think we have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. That is truly where we are. And I would encourage all of you as the future leaders of the world to really internalize how important this is. If you feed the beast, that beast will destroy you. If you push back on it, we have a chance to control it and rein it in. And it is a point in time where people need to hard break from some of these tools. I think that's really powerful is that we have two of the most influential people uh, next to Mark uh, Zuckerberg talking about the ways in which the product the technologies that they've created are actually tearing apart the social fabric of society. Right? So I think the Christian ethic, uh, whether or not you have a personal relationship with Jesus, I believe that the Christian ethic offers us insight um, and wisdom into this topic, uh, even though it's from thousands of years ago. So I have three goals for you today. If you walk out of here with these three things, I'm happy. The first one is I hope that you develop some awareness around the current research around what are smartphones, uh, how they're impacting our lives, right? You can't work on something you don't know anything about, right? So that's a big one. If you have some awareness, I'm happy. Second one is I want to offer you a reason why your faith has something to say about your smartphone usage. And the third one, if we successfully do that, I want to encourage you to start building convictions around your smartphone. I will not sit here and tell you uh, how it is you need to use your smartphone, what it is you need to cut out of your life. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. I don't believe I can and I don't believe I should. This is a conversation that you need to wrestle through in your life and talk to God about. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, he calls us to surrender all things in worship to him, right? So everything in our lives, we surrender at the feet of Jesus. And I think our smartphones are no different. Right? So I want to encourage all of us to walk out of this and say, okay, Jesus, how I use my smartphone is yours. I surrender it. How is it that you are calling me to live? So we're going to spend a little time at the end talking about building some convictions. But I want to start with just like a small group discussion so we can do like three, four groups 
break up in a couple people. And let's talk about this. Let's talk about two positive and one negative byproduct of the smartphone in your life. So I'm glad we kind of started there and kind of framed the conversation because we have to remember that a smartphone is not an inherently negative thing. It has done a lot of good in this world. But let's look critically at some of the implications it's having on our lives. So what does the data suggest? Is our smartphone changing the way we live? Right, that's the question we want to look at. The smartphone, uh, there's kind of two key moments. In 2007, the iPhone was launched. Kind of the first smartphone to really take off. Right? In 2012, the smartphone hit market saturation. Uh, market saturation is an economic term that's meant when the total number of users available uh, has surpassed 50% using product, right? So in 2012, right, we saw that over 50% of the people who had a cell phone were using a smartphone. So typically when we look and it says, that's when like a product has arrived, right? In 2012, the iPhone is here, or the smartphone is here and it wasn't going away. So what we're gonna do next, we're gonna look at like 15 data points. Uh, and a lot of this data is pretty staggering, um, and it's eye-opening, and that's good, right? Because it gives us a very, very painful awareness of some of the implications of this. Uh, the data is about three years old because uh, academia is about three years old or behind all the time, right? And so I'm really excited to see what the past three years. I don't see any of this changing, but um, let's dive into it, right? I'm going to call a couple of these out. So this is. Uh, when I was a high school senior, right, I filled out the alcoholics and drug abuse surveys, right, and they collect all across the U.S. They tabulate data. Here's a lot of our results. So this is the percentage of 8th, 10th, and 12th graders who get together with friends every day or nearly every day going back to 1976. Mm, wow. You can look that since the iPhone has launched and since the smartphone hit market saturation, we have seen that decline or that we cut in half in about 15 years. That's a really scary reality, that the more the technology has increased, the less time we are spending with people. Let's look at parties. Everybody loves a good party, right? The percentage of 8th, 10th, and 12th graders who attend parties once a month has followed a very similar trajectory. We are spending about a third of the amount of time our parents spent at parties in 1987, right? So we look here and we see, uh, even in 2012, we see dr drastic declines, right? Crazy. Let's keep moving. Uh, this is the percentage of 12th graders who spend uh, 10 or more hours a week online and the percentage of average of four in-person social activities. So you might say, Matt, there's a lot of things to play here. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to minimize these conversations down to single graphs, but I think we can look and kind of see that as the internet has taken off, our in-person social activity has decreased. Right? I think we can all acknowledge that. Let's look at social media. Most of uh, the rise of mobile has been accompanied with a rise in social media. In 2012, when the smartphone hit market saturation, on average, people spend about 90 minutes a day on social media. In just the past five years, that has increased to over two hours. Right? So on average, people spend over two hours a day on social media. Really staggering. Let's talk about, I'm a big believer that the internet, or the world, has changed faster in the past 10 years than it ever has in all of human history. Right, so we look here, uh, we see that the telephone took 75 years to reach 50 million people. It took the radio 38 years, Facebook about two years, and it took Pokemon Go 19 days. <laughs> right? That's a crazy world we live in, right? That we are connecting 50 million people. You gotta catch them on, man. That's right, man. And Chewbacca mom, she did it in 24 hours, right? So just think about this the realities of our social fabric, right? Of how we 
how we've done this life for thousands of years has fundamentally changed in the past 10, 15 years, right? Let's, look at, let's start to look at uh, correlations with our smartphone use, with our overall mental health, right? So we look here, what we did is, this is the relative risk of being unhappy uh, based on on-screen activities and non-screen activities. So they had people engage in uh, one of these actions and then ranked to a correlation of whether or not they felt happy or more unhappy after they used this. What we see is that overwhelmingly, uh, in-person social activities have a positive correlation to helping us or making us feel more happy, right? But we're, we're aware that TV, video chat, uh, computer games and the internet are correlated negatively uh, with feeling happy, right? But yet, we see that we continue to spend more time on things we know don't make us happy. Interesting. Let's look here. Percentage of 12th graders who are satisfied with their lives as a whole and with themselves. Man, that's a really scary thing. Right when, Mark, when the smartphone has arrived, in about two years, we see a drastic, drastic drop in the satisfaction of teenagers that are our age. Right? That was me. So in 2015, uh, 14, I graduated. So this is me. Uh, so if you're one or two years, it probably hasn't changed much. That's really staggering. Uh, and as researchers look at what ha what has happened in 2012. Like what happened that caused all of this? And really the only thing that they can really come to is that the rise of mobile technology on our smartphones has drastically changed the world we live in. Right, we are literally on what psychologists are calling the greatest mental health uh, breakdown the world has ever known. Right, this is this week's Daily Collegian, uh, Penn State student newspaper. It says, let's take a moment on mental health because we are literally busting at the seams. You can see smartphones and TVs on this. We are busting at the seams, and people are lost, right? It's easy to get lost, is what it says. That's a really staggering thing. Let's keep looking. Percentage of eighth, 10th, and 12th graders who are neutral, just neutral to the thought of, I can't do anything right, my life is not useful, or I do not enjoy life, right? We've seen an uptick in that as well. Let's keep moving. Let's talk a little bit about uh, off of our mental health, and let's move into just our lifestyles, right? If you check, the average college student checks their phone around 150 times a day, right? Yep. So, if, yeah, crazy, right? Let's say, let's say you check it 100 times a day, and let's say you're awake 16 hours. I'm going to say so you get eight hours of sleep, okay? Let, let's, let's work with that, right? Let's work with each one of you gets about eight hours a day, and you check your phone 100 times a day, not even 150, right? That's an interruption. You do the math, that's about an interruption every 9.5 minutes. Carnegie Mellon has found that you are 20% dumber when you try to multitask, right? And uh, University of California, Irvine found that it takes about 23 minutes to get back on task after you've been interrupted. So, every time you check your phone, when you stop doing something, it takes about 23 minutes to get refocused and back into the train of thought. But yet, you've already distracted yourself twice more by the time you can even get back on, on track. So what we realize is like, most of us aren't, aren't really focused anymore. We're all trying to multitask. And we've seen uh, that it does have an impact on our lives, right? Let's talk about this, YouTube. People love it or hate it, right? <laughs> How much time they spend on YouTube, right? Every minute around 400 hours worth of YouTube videos are uploaded, right? You could spend your life and more trying to find out what 
uh, watching what's on YouTube. That's staggering. Over 1 billion hours per day are spent watching YouTube. And maybe, maybe a portion of that is useful for society. A lot of it, I wonder if it's all useful, right? That's really staggering. One of the other things here is we, we have to understand the rise of the internet uh, and the correlation of the rise in pornography, right? Around 30% of what's on the internet is pornography. Didn't know that? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Um, and they're very correlated, right? The rise in our internet infrastructure and our usage has been very much correlated with the porn industry. Right, so let's look at this. YouTube gets around 30 million unique visitors per day. The single largest pornographic website gets around 81 million visitors per day. Right? Two and a half times as many people per day are watching porn than they're watching YouTube. That's a whole nother workshop that we could talk about, the dangerous implications of the fact that 81 million people are watching porn every day, two and a half times as much as YouTube. But that's a whole nother workshop. I can't even go into that, <laughs> right? But like, let's look at that. Like for many of our, the older men in our lives, maybe our fathers, like they'll tell you about pornography was around in their days and it was, but it was different, right? It wasn't at their fingertips and constantly available. And that's a really scary thought to realize that some of the most active usage of the internet is for pornography. Let's talk about driving, texting while driving. We know don't drive drunk, right? That is a stupid thing to do, right? We have been ingrained in that. Yet most of us, I would argue, including myself, still choose to text and drive, right? Your reaction slows 13% when you drive drunk. So on the legal limit, you are 13% slower at reacting. When you text and drive, you are 30, your reaction slows 37%. That's more than two times when you are driving drunk. One in four accidents today is caused by texting and driving. Really scary that most of us, even if we were self-centered and valued our own lives, I think a, a, a relative person would be willing to say, yeah, texting and driving is not a good idea. That's before we even take into consideration that most of the people that die are in our own lives. They're the other lives we put at risk because we can't stop from looking at text messages, right? One in four today uh, are caused by texting and driving. So I wanna have some fun now. That gave us a little bit breath. So let's take a deep breath, right? So let's think critically about it. On the back of your worksheet, there is this smartphone idle survey I'm calling it, right? This is academia's Standard for measuring someone's smartphone usage, right? So there's 33 questions here on a Likert scale. What I want you to do is we're going to take a few minutes and I want you to go and fill that out, right? When you're done filling it out, I want you to total up all the points you have on there, sum it up, and then I want you to guess. What do you think people in the room scored as? Are you above? Are you below? Do you think you're medium? I'm curious to see what you said. So you don't have to be quiet. You can, you can chit-chat. You can ask me a question about it. Um, happy to like the first one. Have you ever missed work? Like, have you ever planned to do work in the afternoon and realized, nope, you spent that time on YouTube, right? So those kind of questions. So we want to look at our smartphone usage. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes to do that, and then we're going to look at the research. Uh, anyone need? Oh, So, like I said, this is academia standard. So, a lot of research has been done using this scale, right? Everybody uses this scale when they look at uh, smartphone uh, usage, right? So, I pulled some of these research studies, uh, 
and we looked at them, right? And so each one of these components that I'm going to talk about has studies to back that up, but there is one study particularly that I pulled that looked across like six different categories. So they correlated someone's smartphone usage to all these different things. Let's take a look. Let's look at the results. So physical fitness. High smartphone use was negatively related to an objective measure of physical fitness. In other words, people who use their smartphone a lot were less physically fit, right? Let's look at GPA. Same thing. In other words, high cell phone users had lower GPAs than their counterparts in college who used uh, lower, who had, who used their smartphone less. Okay. Going sleep quality. High smartphone use was correlated to lower subjective sleep quality among a sample of typical college students. So, in other words, if you use your smartphone more, you are more likely to get less sleep. Having or sorry, have a less quality and a less duration of sleep than people who use their smartphone less. Keep moving. Satisfaction of life. Uh, high cell phone use. High cell phone users were less happy than their counterparts who use their cell phone less. Anxiety. High smartphone users reported higher levels of anxiety than those who use their smartphone less. As with anxiety, oftentimes depression follows. High cell phone users were more likely to be depressed than those who use their smartphone less. Did you catch all that? High smartphone users were less physically fit, had lower GPAs, slept less, were less happy, had more anxiety, and were more likely to be us. I think any of these issues can have uh, multiple things that play in them, right? But we understand correlation, and it's, it's pretty daunting to me to realize that something uh, so prevalent in my life has such a sweeping broad impact on so many categories of my life. From when I wake up uh, to when I go to sleep, my smartphone is literally impacting my life every day. Uh, so this particular study found that the, um, so they, they tried to categorically group people into high and low smartphone users, and there's disadvantages to that because we don't want to look at it as like, oh, you're in this category. If you would have had one less point, you would have been healthy, right? That, that's like not the goal. It's to understand that it's a spectrum. But for this research, they found high smartphone users were those who scored over 100 um, on the idle scale. So if you scored over 100, um, these are the things that are um, more likely to be the case. Now, it may not be in your life, um, but statistically speaking, these are the things that we find. That those who use their smartphone more than 100 um, are less physically fit, have lower GPAs, sleep less, were less happy, have more anxiety, and they use less. Is there a correlation between like your intention behind why you're using your smartphone? So for example, like we don't really read newspapers anymore, but we'll use our phone instead of like a computer. So I, like, is it? Is there a correlation between like why you're using your phone versus yeah, just they do like a, social media or just for pleasure? Yeah, they do a follow-up uh, research study on that, looking at attention. I'm not as familiar with the results. I'm going to ask you the study, but uh, I mean, it kind of looks if even if you go back to the correlation with others, like print media has a higher correlation to happiness, even though if you read the same content on your smartphone, you will more make a correlation, right? There is something about our humanity that we are, it is healthier, we are correlated to happiness when we read something. So, but that's a great point. <coughs> so, let's level set for a second where we've been, right? We offered a little bit, we did a little research on looking at how it is that our smartphone uh, has changed our world, right? How the world is different because of our smartphone. We looked a little bit about how it is that we use our smartphones in our lives, what about the prevalence 
of it, and also looking at some of the dangerous implications that high smartphone usage can have. Right? So that's the first part of this. I wanted to start there because I believe it's important that we have some grounding in this conversation before we really talk about how our faith engages it. Right? We, we can't really work on something we know nothing about. Right? So this was the first part, and I'm glad uh, we got to dig into it a little bit and do it. But I want to pivot now. I want to pivot a little bit about uh, into the gospel. Right? This is a uh, retreat, and I, I believe that the only hope to the world is Jesus. Right? It is by his life, death, and resurrection. Uh, the shalom enters the world. Right? Maybe you grew up in a faith tradition where a lot of your, a lot of your knowledge of the Bible and God were uh, confined to salvation and sanctification. Right? This idea that, that God is only really interested in your eternity. But I think the truth is that God is interested in seeing all of His creation restored into shalom, which is wholeness with God. Right? And so, if we understand that God cares about everything in His creation and seeing it redeemed. And if you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you surrender lordship to him, that means surrendering everything you have at his feet and saying, okay, God, you get to dictate how this goes in my life, right? And so I don't think our smartphones are any different, right? And so I want to look and say, God, how is it that my faith in you speaks to this idea of my smartphone and how I use it? Lord, are you really bored of how I use my smartphone? So I'm going to look at three illusions, right? I chose the word illusion very carefully. An illusion, this is not one and two and three, this is just the definition. Um, an illusion is a misleading image presented to the vision, right? It's like when you step up at the carnival or like the, the fair or the amusement park and you like go in front of that mirror and you like suddenly become 800 pounds, right? It's like this illusion or like you look at one of those like twirling checker boxes, it's like it's an illusion, right? But I like this word. It deceives us intellectually, right? We're deceived into believing it's true intellectually, but deep down, we know we're not actually 800 pounds, right? It's a deception intellectually. And that's why I think it's interesting that we frame our smartphone usage and, and thinking around idolatry and illusions, right? Because oftentimes, I'm gonna show you the first point here. Virtual is just as good. If I asked most of you, all of us would say, no, Matt, virtual is not better. This with my friends, that's better. But if we look at how we live, I think some of us might have to make an honest realization and say, I don't know if I actually live like that, right? It's an illusion. My smartphone is drawing me into the illusion that virtual is just as good, right? But really deep down, we know that it is just that, an illusion. I, growing up, I used to uh, come home from school and I would get on Xbox Live and I'd play Call of Duty for a couple hours and then I would get off that and I would go on AIM with my buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know AIM. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dan knows. <laughs> yeah, Dan knows. Way to call him out. Yeah, he's, he's over here. I'm looking at my notes. Um, and it's interesting because I, I find as I look back on my childhood, even as early as like sixth grade, I found that there's times where I bought into a lie that hanging out with my friends online was better than going to see my friends at the road. Even from a young age, I'm not demonizing video games at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm saying that there is this illusion that I have a preference for what is virtual, or that I'd rather know everything about a person's life on social media or know their big updates than to call them on the phone and hear from them. Right? I took an honest look 
Yeah, maybe there is some preference for what is virtue. So I think two things are important. Got a little out of order here. But I think there's two things as we refocus on the truth, right? I think we have to look at our design and our sin, right? We as Christians need to know that God has created us and it is his recipe for human flourishing, right? God is the one who knows because he has created it. He knows what is human flourishing, right? And so we need to look to him for that guidance, right? But then we also need a deep realization of our own sin, right? I grew up kind of thinking like sin is like, oh, the time you like lied or you didn't did something, right? And, and that is sin, but I think the older I get, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I find that sin is, is a cancer that is rooting itself from life, right? That it has depraved so much of who I am. The older I get, the more I find that, you know, maybe it, it, it might, you know, it might have been a sin how much I use my smartphone, but for me, maybe the awareness of the deeper sin for me is that I chose to look to my smartphone and keep my mind busy and actually trust God with the reality that I'm nervous and I'm upset and I'm out of control, right? I'm learning more and more that my sin is so much deeper than what it is here on the surface level. And so we need to look at those two things. And when we look about virtual as just as good, when we look back at the gospel, we have to refocus on these two things. And so let's look at Genesis 2.20 on design. Uh, can someone read this for me? Sounds read. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, what do we see here? This is before the fall of man, right? So Adam is in the garden and God has given him a task. And he goes and does it and he finds that no helper was right. And so you can draw from this conversation, you might draw gender roles, or you might go that direction, but I also want to step back from that conversation. I want to just look at it and say, Adam had a task and Adam was lonely, right? And sin had not entered the world, right? So... If you're experiencing a longing for people in your life or a longing to be known, hear me in saying that is not sin, that's actually your design. Right? God created Adam and he gave him a desire for others. Right? And he found no helper in the animals that he was shepherding. Step back and realize that we were created for relationship. Right? Another one here. It's actually Hebrews 10. Uh, I gotta go there. Someone want to read this guy for me? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yeah, thanks, buddy. This is the the author of Hebrews, potentially Paul. We don't know, but the author is saying to his to the new church, please. Don't stop meeting together. Please don't stop. Encourage one another. Share your lives together. He's pleading with them. The day of the Lord is drawing near, so don't stop meeting together. Like the author of Hebrews is getting at our desire that you were created for a relationship. Oftentimes, virtual relationships that we place in front of us illusions, right? We found that, um, uh, just a study I read the other day from Pew, it said that nine out of 10 Americans used their smartphone in the last social engagement they were a part of. Yet 82% of Americans agree, agree
agree that it is rude or annoying to have someone there with you to their smartphone, right? So the reality is when we're with people, we actually can't leave virtual behind, right? We really wrestle with that, even though we all know that there's nothing worse than having like coffee or a meal with someone and they're just like not there with you, right? I look back and there's a lot of moments in college that I missed because I was actually trying to be someone else. I missed out on times with my roommates because I wasn't there. I might have been there, but I wasn't there at all, right? I get sucked into this lie that what is virtual is just as good. That, that if I get a lot of likes on Instagram that I'm actually liked, or if I have a 100 day snap or a streak on Snapchat, then I actually have long lasting and deep friendships. But that's just a mere facade, right? Is the reality that deep relationships and friendships are done face to face and together, right? Second illusion to talk about is I'm in control. And oftentimes this comes with a belief um, with uh, being at the center, right? Notes here. Yeah, I tend to feel safer when I have my smartphone. I tend to feel more in control around the idea that anyone can get a hold of me if they need me, right? If I don't have my smartphone, then what might I miss? My FOMO starts kicking in, and all of a sudden I find myself that I can't really leave my smartphone behind because I feel deeply out of control. I have a deep need uh, to believe that I'm at the center, right? And I think for our generation, I would say this is a humanity problem, but I would say our generation really wrestles with this, uh, is being at the center of our worlds. And, and self-centeredness is the word. But I think a lot of us think of self-centeredness as that person who is like, oh, they're super narcissist. No one likes them. They're the worst, right? But I think it's more helpful if we frame this as an understanding understanding that we are <coughs> placing ourselves at the center of our lives and our preferences and our desires before anything else is asked of us, right? So maybe it's leadership, maybe it's ministry, maybe it's just friends, right? When something is asked of you, oftentimes we open our smartphone or our calendar app before we open a line of communication with God, right? That's self-centeredness. It's placing our lives at the center Right? And I think our, my smartphone fuels that by giving me instant access um, to, to, in some ways, managing and controlling, tailoring my life to my preferences. Uh, let's look, can someone read this guy for me? Even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. To this day, their children and grandchildren continue to do as their ancestors did. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. I think one of the hard realities that we learn is like you can do this Christian dance, you can come to this retreat, you can go to small group, and you can totally be walking opposed to the Lord. That's that's a really hard reality, is that uh, they were worshiping the Lord, but their lives were not in sync to that of lordship. But we know that when we step back for a moment and we look at the realities of control. Uh, it's, it's a hard thing to wrestle with. Tim Keller says, when pain and suffering came upon us, we finally see not only that we are not in control of our lives, but that we never were. Franchaka says, idolatry is determined by who or what I serve, not who or what I worship. Right? So if we look at how we use our smartphone, and oftentimes our inability to separate with it, to be really connected to it, I think we as Christians need to ask ourselves the question, 
do I serve my smartphone? And have a hard wrestling with that. As we refocus on the truth, we need to look at Jesus, right? Jesus is the only hope for the world, for long-lasting hope. Um, someone want to read this one for me. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus is the ultimate example of laying down his life and surrendering to God his desires. If we are gonna understand what that looks like and how we navigate the things in our lives under lordship to God, we have to look at Jesus' example, that Jesus went to the cross, to death on a cross, and gave his life up for you and I, because of it is what the Father had called him to. Right? He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Right? That's number two. The illusion that I get drawn into is that I'm in control, and I can tailor my life to my preference and then what I want, and that I'm the of the world. Smart or uh, illusion number three. No guardrails needed. It's taken us about 10 years since the iPhone was launched to consider the fact hey, we're going to put some controls on this guy. Right? It took us 10 years before Apple decided to embed some kind of control to monitor how much you were using it. Right? We all monitor our health, which we should. Right? We monitor how much we exercise or, like, oh, I ate a lot tonight, right? Like we monitor that and we understand that our health and part of adulthood is monitoring these things for balance. But most of us have never considered the reality that maybe we need to look at our smartphone and our technology uses in a similar way, right? It's an illusion. I've never seen my smartphone saying, hey, use me less, right? Even, even the functionality Google and Apple have, have given us is like, so kind of buried away, like it's there, and it's taken 10 years, and I'm excited about that. I am so excited to see that. The reality is, if, if you're not looking for that, man, it is so easy to fall into the trap of just passively going along with life, just like everyone else, right? I think we would be foolish to think that something that gets a few hours of my day every day does not impact on where I end up when I finish. Right? If I'm going to run the race, I'm going to meet the Lord, I'm going to hear good, well done, good and faithful service, I better believe that something that impacts my day a couple hours every day is something that I'd be thinking about and where it helps me finish. Right? Smartphones, you guardrails. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by, dis that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? God is, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, God is calling you, through Paul talking here, he's saying, be renewed in your mind. Right? The, like, passively going with culture is not going to lead you towards God. Be renewed in how you think about these things in life. So it's not only our smartphones, right? But this is an aspect of that. Right? We need to be thinking about how is it that I use my smartphone to honor God? Or am I just going to passively go along with it and watch my usage continue to climb? And then you get about 10 years later and you look back and you say, how did I get here? And the reality is you got there every day because you just lived a little more passive. 
And with all men in this room, I, I didn't really harp on this in the first session. The reality is, is we as men are even more prone to living passively. It's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right? I'm going to just keep on doing me. And the reality is, is that we as men will not be the men that God calls us to be, potentially as husbands and fathers, by choosing to live passively. And if we think for a second that something that gets hours of our day isn't a big deal, we're foolish. As I am here with you in this, and this is, this is a knife to my heart to realize, man, have I really been a steward of what God has given me, a good steward? Have I used my time to advance the kingdom of God? Or I wasted it watching stupidness. I'm not saying there's not time for relaxation, but I'm trying to take a deeper look at my life and say, is my smartphone how I use my smartphone honoring God? Right. That's what I'm trying to get at. You might ask, okay, what does that look like? Deuteronomy 10, 12. Someone want to read that for me? And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord of your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Thank you. Yeah, let's refocus and let's refocus on this, right? When we refocus from the illusion, we see the truth. And God here is, is speaking to his people and he's saying, Israel, here is what I require of you. That you fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. You want a perfect example of that? Look at Jesus. Right? Jesus lived a laser-focused life on his purpose and mission. And he invites us into doing something similar. Right? You have a purpose and a mission that God has given you. We all as men and as humanity, as Christ followers, have a purpose and a mission. And then we have even more individualized missions and callings. Right? But it is all the truth that if we are going to finish well, we're going to need to live a laser-focused life. Jesus said the road is narrow, and few, and few will find it. Right? If we think that living passively with this smartphone, yeah, doesn't really have a big deal in my life. Man, yeah, it's conviction for me to say I'm being a fool when I do that. I'm just being a fool. That doesn't mean that word. Okay, got about a half hour. We'll spend the last half hour doing two things. I'm gonna look at convictions and we'll have some questions about it. The big one though is convictions. If we walk out of here and, and you do nothing with this, that was a waste of our time, right? And that's kind of the reality with anything, but the reality is, is that we've gone over a little bit about having some awareness of this topic and why I hope I've given you a reason as to why your faith has something to say about this topic. I want to help you and to give you time to start thinking about what are the convictions that I need to be developing as a man of God to steward my life to serve him. Right? So we're going to go back to the moment and answer these two questions. What mobile tech etiquette convictions do you need to form in order to be present with people? And the second one is for this device that I desire to utilize, not to serve. Is there a way I need to decrease my dependence on my phone for everyday normal life? Let's go ahead and do that, and then we'll come back and we'll regroup. And it's crazy. It's like the idea of you know sometimes looking at some of, the, some of the ways Penn State made some changes this year towards like pushing 
more of our um, 1010 teams or our small groups towards spending more time together, right? It's it is more responsibility, but you're looking, but it, it's almost a pushback, right? It's we t they took for granted maybe the reality of just like they planned, right? And it's like that was just a reality of their life, lives, right? But now it's like we we have to push back and live that way, right? We have to choose to live a countercultural way in ways that we have to say like I can't be passive about how I choose to live my life. If I'm gonna do it in community, I'm gonna to have to push up against culture. Uh, and that just reminds me of that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 224. Thank you guys, that was uh, enjoyable. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention before we go is some resources. Uh, nope, uh, resources. Uh, so there's this thing called the Dark Side Challenge. Uh, it's developed by Fran Shaka. It's a great thing, darksidechallenge.org. You basically have, um, you commit to not using your cell phone when you're with people. You take a 24-hour Sabbath once a week uh, from your smartphone, and then there's some other things, handwritten notes, curiosity journals. Do that. I really encourage it. If you just want to try to step back and try to level set a little bit, try that. Awesome. Another way, uh, if you want to look more 12 ways, your phone is changing you by Tony Rinky. It's a Christian book, so it's viewed from a Christian perspective. Um, that's a really good one. It's not too long either. Uh, three goals before I let you out of here. My three hopes today was that you would bring awareness to current research. I hope you have a better understanding of where this conversation is at and the impact it has on your life. Right. Second one is I want to. I hope I've offered you a reason as to why your faith has something to say about your smartphone usage. Um, and the third one is I want to encourage you to continue and go from here building convictions around how you use your smartphone and choosing to say, uh, Lord, I surrender how I use my smartphone in Lordship to the cut. But it is my hope uh, that we as men uh, would be more, would be less focused around those in our online presence and more to those who are in our presence. Uh, that is my hope that we would be men that would count cultural lives incarnationally with those around. Thank you.